I ask you to take your Bibles, if you have them this morning, or the one in your seat back, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. And the words to which I will uh, call your attention come to us from verses 40 to 42. Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. Let's give heed now to the inerrant and infallible word of God. Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water... Because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will abide forever. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come again to consider your word. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you have chosen to to speak to us in this special way. That you caused men to write down your words as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. And we look at this, Lord, this very book, as a reminder of your deep, deep, and abiding, unchanging love for your people. Oh, Father, right now, in our hearts, would you stir anew and afresh our love for you as we listen. And let our listening even be an exhibition of our love in return, a love, not that we have stirred up, but a love stirred up by your work in us through Christ and by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As I was studying this passage this week, uh, it, it brought some, uh, some thoughts back to me. Uh, I remember seeing as I would visit, and maybe you do too, uh, as you visit certain McDonald's, I'm not sure if they do this anymore, but as you visit certain McDonald's and certain grocery stores, you, you used to see a sign in them. It was a yellow sign that said, Safe Place. Do you all remember that? It, it would have a little icon on there and a number, and it, it, it was an advertisement that if you ever find yourself in a position that you need help, um, come to McDonald's. And it wasn't, obviously, for a, a Big Mac. It was so that you could, you could get the help that you need. You go to the grocery store. You let the manager know that I, I'm in trouble. I need some help. And they, there's a response plan. It, it's still around. I actually looked at it uh, this week. I, I, don't, I haven't noticed the signs lately. Uh, but the safe place, it is, it's still in operation. Um, the reason that I bring that up to you is because there is a sense in which the church is to be a safe place. I don't, I don't mean in the modern, modern mantra, the safe spaces that you hear about where I need a place to go where I can believe what I want to believe and do what I want to, believe, to, to do and nobody's going to tell me that I'm doing wrong. That's not the kind of safe place that the church is to be. But I want you to think with me just for a second about we're in the second sermon of the Lord Jesus he, he preached the Sermon on the Mount, and now he is commissioning his apostles. He's sending them out to, to go and to heal diseases and to cast out demons. And, and he's followed those, that commission up with a, a short sermon like we would do at any 
commissioning and ordination service here at New Covenant, he's followed that up with some very encouraging words for his men. Listen, you're going to go and preach the gospel and somebody's going to try to kill you for it. I, I don't want you to, to, to be deceived, okay? Um, we're bringing a sword, not a feather duster, into the world. Um, people are going to be divided from one another. You're going to see that you're going to preach the gospel in Thessalonica and all of a sudden a, a, a woman comes to faith and her husband says, yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, you're going to see that you're going to preach the gospel in Galatia and a young man is going to come to, his, to, come to faith in Christ and his father's going to put him out. And it might even get worse. That father might take his son up by the nape of the neck and drag him into court and demand that they put him to death. That happened. It still happens today. Some of you may know this if you follow the voice of the martyrs. Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And it's just a day that has been committed to praying for people like this who live in countries where the gospel is still even as though it's in first century days where like Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran where if you come to faith, uh, your family very well may put you out of the house. You may even know people personally um, who've experienced things like this. So uh, we have to remember that because as Jesus, as Jesus finishes the sermon, I believe he's, rem- he's telling the people who were gathered there, you-, you think of the apostles maybe right around him, the men that he had chosen by name, and then all of the other maybe several hundred disciples who'd been following along with him. He says, but I'm, I'm not going to leave you without a place of welcome. As you look back at the text now, nearly every place that you see the word receives, it could also be translated as welcome. Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. And so, thinking back a few passages of Scripture, we remember that Jesus was talking about fear over and over. Don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, but fear God. Here, the whole idea is around Welcome. Now, I think what Jesus is saying to his men is that, yes, the sword is going to come. When the gospel is preached, some are going to believe it and some are going to reject it. And you're going to be surprised at who receives it. You're going to be surprised at who rejects it. But I, I want you to understand that there's going to be another side to that sword. There's going to be a place for you of welcome. There's going to be a place for you of reception. There's going to be a place of refuge from the world's vanity and values. There's going to be a place where Christ is exalted in worship and in conversation. There's going to be a place of welcome and safe harbor to those who share a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we see and just... Three simple points this morning is that the body of Christ, the body of Christ is a place of welcome to God's Word, it is a place of welcome to fellow believers, and it is a place of welcome to the most vulnerable. We welcome the Word, we welcome one another, 
and we welcome and minister to the most vulnerable. First of all, let's notice that the body of Christ welcomes the word in verse 40. Whoever receives you receives me. And Jesus here, again, he's, he's speaking directly to the apostles and he's saying to them, whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Now, one of the reasons that we have such a vested interest when the president begins to name and appoint diplomats for the United States of America is because these folks are going to other countries and claiming to represent us. And so we wonder, why are these positions going to the biggest donors? Jesus here is saying, you are going to be my ambassadors. You are my diplomats. And there is such a close relation between you and me that the one who welcomes you is welcoming me. And the one who welcomes me welcomes the triune Godhead. The first thing that we notice is that the body of Christ is a place of It should be a place of welcome. This is the theme of these verses. The Greek term that Jesus uses here, it means to welcome or to accept. It, It means to take in or to believe. And Jesus is saying that the body of Christ then is a place of welcome. Well, what's the first thing that we welcome? We welcome the apostles. We welcome the apostles. To welcome the apostles is to welcome Christ, is to welcome God. Jesus designated these men to be his special ambassadors to the world, to take the gospel into the first century world. The preaching of the apostles will become, he is saying, the means of reconciliation. The preaching of the apostles will become the means of reconciliation to God. So think about this with me for for just a second. What is Jesus saying? He's teaching us that as God has done before through the prophets, He is doing now in His infinite wisdom, the ministry of reconciliation is given to the apostles. I want you to turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. From now on, therefore... We regard no one according to the flesh. We don't judge men based on their outward appearance. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. Think about that for just a second. God making His appeal through us. How is God reaching out to the world? How is He going into countries like Eritrea uh, and Afghanistan? How is He appealing to Muslims and Asians and North Americans for that matter through the ministry of His Word? He anointed these men to take His Word with them. And He said, listen, when you don't know what to speak, don't worry, don't be afraid. God the Father will speak through you. And even now, God is making His appeal through His Word. How do you and I welcome the apostles today? Very simply, by hearing, reading, and obeying God's Word. We rejoiced this weekend that the Lord sent us, uh, by some measures, three and a half inches of rain. We've been praying for rain for quite some time, and you can imagine how the earth might have felt, uh, perhaps your flower gardens, uh, when it received that nice downpour this weekend, the heart of the church feels that way every time it reads and hears the preaching of God's Word. It is like fresh rain to a dry and parched earth. It is life-giving in my heart when I read the Word with understanding, when I listen and welcome the words of the apostles, you can sense your heart bearing its fruit in praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. The body of Christ welcomes God's Word. But it does some other welcoming as well, doesn't it? Look with me at, uh, I guess we go back to Matthew chapter 10. Look with me at verse 41. <clears throat> the one who welcomes a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. The second thing that we see is not only does the body of Christ welcome God's Word, it also welcomes other believers. The body of Christ, namely, it welcomes prophets and righteous men, doesn't it? It welcomes prophets and righteous men. Who are the prophets? Well, that's very simply those who declare God's Word. Those who proclaim the Word of God. Those who go out with a commission from God to declare His Word to the people of God. The body of Christ welcomes them. Who else does it welcome? Righteous men. Well, who could that be? Who are the righteous people, as your translation may say, that the body of Christ welcomes? Well, I think it's very simple. Those are the hearers and the doers of God's Word. You have on the one hand those who proclaim the Word, and those who through faith receive the Word and uh, through faith in Christ are declared righteous. So you get the picture, don't you? The, the body of Christ is a welcoming place for the whole body. Those who proclaim the Word and those who listen to it. Those who receive it and those who obey it. Notice how they are welcomed. 
In the, in the original, it, it literally says, the one who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet. And those who receive a, a righteous man in the name of a righteous man. What, what does that mean exactly? I think the ESV gets it correct. We welcome them because they are prophets. We welcome them because they are righteous people. Now you and I, we welcome all sorts of people, don't we? When you see the pizza delivery man pull up to your home, you welcome him with open arms. When you see your family over the upcoming Thanksgiving break, you're going to welcome most of them, okay? Some of them not so much. But the point here is that you welcome these individuals, prophets and righteous people, differently than the pizza delivery guy. Differently than Aunt Marge. Why? Because of what they are. Because they are prophets. Because they are righteous people. There's a special welcome, a special bond because of who these people are. There's a special welcome to those who preach the word and to those who receive it with joy. I want you to think about what 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 a healing thought this would be to those who have, who have listened to the entire sermon from Jesus. Jesus is saying to you, there, there will be a place for you. You, young man, young woman, when you come to faith and your family casts you out, where are you going to be received? Who's going to be your father, your mother? your brother, your sister. The body of Christ. As the ministry of reconciliation goes forward, it's going to create division. And Jesus is saying, listen, two groups are going to form. On the one hand, there will be those who are persecuted, who are divided from family and friends, And on the other hand, there are going to be those who can support and sustain those people. In other words, not all of you are going to be driven out. And those of you who get to keep your home and you keep your job because of the situation that God has given to you, make sure that you reach out a hand and you welcome those who are driven out. Consider the story of Ananias and Sapphira. In the book of Acts, these would have been a a couple who had the wherewithal to be supporters of the persecuted church. And what did they do? They went out and they sold their lands and they gave some of the money to the church and they lied. These were some who could have been supporters of the church, but all they wanted was the status. This gives you a picture of what the church is meant to be, doesn't it? Jesus has depicted the church as a community, as a society. It is to be a place where the dejected and the cast out, the ones who seek to live faithfully for the Lord Jesus Christ and are shunned from every other society of the world, they can come to the body of Christ and there they find belonging. For those committed to Christ, 
the body of Christ is the only place they find real community, real belonging, and real fulfillment in service to Christ and to others. And look at what Jesus says. Go back to the text with me at verse 41. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. That's amazing. You can, maybe you can imagine in that situation, um, there are some people who, who might say, I, I want to be persecuted. I want to be harmed for the cause of Christ because in some way this validates the sincerity of my faith. If I can't be an apostle, then I want to be one of those guys who is wrapped, sewn into skins in the Roman cathedral or in the Roman Colosseum and eaten alive. I want, I want to have some kind of badge apart from baptism in the Lord's table, some kind of badge that shows me I belong. Jesus says, no, don't. In God's providence, He's going to leave some of you with the ability to support. And be assured that those of you who support and encourage and love and comfort and give, when the end comes, you will have a share in the prophet's reward. You might never have said a word in, uh, in prophecy. You might never have preached but you will receive the same reward. And those of you who welcome and comfort the righteous ones who are shunned, you will receive their reward with them. But I want you to notice one other thing that this welcome requires. This is not the third point. This is still under our second point. This welcome requires discernment, doesn't it? And discretion. The church is to be careful about how it extends its welcome. You are to welcome prophets and righteous men. And the Apostle John points to the discretion that the church is to have in this in his second epistle. Listen to what he says in Second uh, John 8 through 10. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. That sounds very similar to what Jesus just said, isn't it? Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works how does this all work together well remember that in those days where would they have been worshiping in homes and john in his wisdom is writing to the church and he's saying some of you have not been using discretion about who you are welcoming into your body you must be discerning if he doesn't make the faithful profession do not receive him. As we think of some application of this point, is, I think one question for us is, it, is, 
is it proper for Christians to think in terms of rewards? Isn't that a works-based thing? Our religion, Christianity, is based totally on grace and mercy, right? I, I proclaim and we pray and we thank the Lord that all we have received is from His gracious provision. I don't deserve any of it. In fact, if I got what I deserved, God would cast me body and soul into hell. But think about a couple of things. Just a few weeks ago, we read from 1 Peter chapter 5. You remember that there Peter said that the elders who rule well will receive a crown of unfading glory? You remember that? We read in other places, like Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, the reward of the persecuted is great in heaven. 1 Corinthians 3, 8, everyone will receive his wages according to his labor. How are we to understand that? Well, we understand it this way, that when you come to Christ, he gifts you by His Spirit to labor in His kingdom in some way. There is some part for every single one of you to play in the community of Jesus Christ in this welcoming and hospitable ministry that we have to one another. There is some part to play. And as the mercy of Christ works in you and you display that gift that you have received, God is pleased to reward you for it. So in the final analysis, what is God rewarding? His mercy. He is crowning His mercy in your life. But I want you to notice that what Jesus says is the laborer, the laborer will never say, how unfair. You... I was the one who preached. I was the one who went out. I was the one who went into the neighborhood and handed out VBS flyers. Why will the laborer never say how unfair? Because at the end of the day, he recognizes that he does his labor by the mercy of Christ. Together, the preacher and the hearer will rejoice in God's grace. What lavish grace that God would work through us. He would work through us and then reward us for the labor. Thirdly, the body of Christ welcomes the most vulnerable. Look with me at verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now as we consider this verse, we have to acknowledge at the very beginning that there are, there are different interpretations about uh, whom Christ is referring to when he says little ones. Some will take this as, as the disciples themselves, as the apostles who are being sent out. Now, maybe it's those who have little faith um, you bear with even those ones who have little faith who come along with you. But I think the picture here is, is don't you notice that as, as Christ is moving to his conclusion, he began looking at the apostles, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, whoever welcomes me welcomes uh, the Godhead, and then his eyes lift. 
And now he's looking at all the congregation around him. And he's saying to them, whoever receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And I can, I can just imagine his eyes going back down and him looking at all the little children in their midst and saying, and whoever offers even a cup of cold water to these little ones, truly his reward will not be lost in heaven. The body of Christ, my dear friends, welcomes children. And I, I think this is an important point. I want you to bear with me. If you want to make a stark distinction between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God, look at the treatment of children. The kingdom of Satan looks at children as a nuisance. They are an inconvenience to an otherwise successful and happy life. The kingdom of Christ delights in, protects, and nourishes children. Think about the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah when they were coming to an end. You know how we know that they were at a low point? Because they began to throw their children into the fire. What is it about wicked kingdoms that delights in the death of children? Here, Jesus reminds us that the distinction of his kingdom is that it welcomes children. The division of the gospel is going to go all the way down to that level. Think about John Bunyan. John Bunyan had an option in the days of when England was broken into the Church of England and the separatist churches. John Bunyan had an option. Stop preaching the gospel. Preach the approved gospel. Follow the approved liturgy. And you can remain home you'll be fine and you can fellowship with your blind daughter. What did John Bunyan do? He preached the gospel and he got thrown into jail and he, his children and his wife were left destitute. Who was going to come along and minister to those children? Minister to those orphans? Welcome them in and love them? The body of Christ. And why are they welcomed? Is it just because they all have cute cheeks and we love to pinch them? What does Jesus say? Please pay attention to this. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, they are disciples. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ, children are regarded as second class citizens. They are disciples, not to be relegated to the nursery, away from the preaching and the worship of God's people. We remember that even from the mouths of babes, God has ordained what? Praise. Children are given a cup of cold water when the body of Christ soothes 
and nurtures its children. Now, one consideration here. Why would Jesus end with these words? If he's referring to children, why does he say he will by no means lose his reward? That's a good question, I think. I wrote it down. I think because of this reminder, because ministering to children can be hard and thankless work. You've seen it. When the request to minister to children goes out, most people step back. They don't pay attention. They're hard to to teach. They're hard to love on. Here Jesus says, blessed is the one who steps forward. In my own life, I remember the names of people like Barbara Howell and Donna Wilson, who, because of their ministry to me, are the reason that Christ brought me into his kingdom. Blessed are the ones who step forward. To you who step forward, you have a special promise from Christ. You will never lose your reward. No one else may see you, but he does. The body of Christ, it is a place that welcomes. Welcomes the word of God. Rejoices in the word of God like a field that receives its seed. It welcomes one another. It is a place where we find comfort and solace in the Lord Jesus Christ together, and it is a place where even the most vulnerable are brought in and nurtured and treated not as second-class citizens, but as disciples. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and we thank you that even though for many of us who are seated in this room, some of us probably know um, have been divided from friends and family simply because we've chosen to follow Christ. We've chosen to love Him more than mother and father. We have chosen to take up our cross and follow Him, to be obedient to Him no matter what the world says, no matter what the demands are. We, we follow Christ. And that has cost some, some people in this body perhaps um, to be divided. But we thank you that you've given us a place of harbor. And we ask that you would form new covenant and every other, every other body of Christ in our city would be a place where uh, prophets and believers and children are welcomed. And built up and strengthened We pray this in Christ's name, amen.